How about your next patient? This is our T-cell lymphoma. So this is a 65-year-old gentleman who, again, a number of years ago, probably two and a half years ago, presented quite sick. Lots of systemic symptoms, abdominal discomfort, fatigue. He presented to me with a pretty massive ascites. On examination, he was found to be cytopenic and had diffuse adenopathy, and a lymph node biopsy was taken from his axilla, and he was diagnosed with a T-cell angioimmunoblastic lymphoma. So this guy was quite ill. He was initially treated with one cycle of CHOP and had a fairly rocky initial course, but recovered nicely. And then after that was treated with another five cycles of CHOP etoposide, Q3 weeks. Subsequent to that, he did great. He recovered, his performance status improved, his scans improved dramatically, and he was subsequently followed. This is a guy who is on the internet constantly and takes a hobby of getting second opinions. So he's been up and down the country, actually knew Dr. Leonard from a conference. And so the question with him was, you know, what was the role of auto stem cell transplant, whether we should harvest him, whether he should have an upfront stem cell transplant. So he was seeking opinions for this. And during these opinions on a PET scan, he was found to have an axillary lymph node. Now we didn't biopsy that, it was hard to feel, but this kind of drove us to at least think even further about a stem cell transplant. So he was given a cycle of ice chemotherapy, once again, tolerated it beautifully, went down for a harvesting, but on his marrow, he was found to have complex cytogenetic abnormalities with a translocation 2-5. So the transplant was put on hold, and he was just followed after that. And since that time, been followed with intermittent scans and PET scans, and has been asymptomatic and in complete remission right now. This is an interesting guy. This guy enjoys going to see different doctors who are experts in T-cell lymphomas to get their opinions on the nature of this disease and what's going to happen to him and what's the likelihood of him being cured and what do we do next if it comes back. So John, any comments about the patient? Well, certainly angioimmunoblastic lymphoma is an uncommon lymphoma that often gets lumped in with many of the other peripheral T-cell lymphomas and other aggressive T-cell lymphomas. It sounded like he was pretty sick, and looking back, just hearing him talk about how sick he was when he was diagnosed, clearly this is somebody who, going into this, you would not have predicted, based on the description, that he was going to do as well as he's done, which is, I think, interesting. And one of my rule of thumbs with T-cell lymphomas is that, you know, yes, while they don't do so well, generally speaking, occasionally you can have these patients that are very atypical, and it's not that easy to know when that's going to happen or who that's going to happen in where they have a better course. You know, so it's an interesting kind of fact, I guess, or observation about T-cell lymphomas. He certainly has done very well. And given his initial presentation and as sick as he was, you wouldn't have predicted this. And I think aiming him toward an auto transplant and first remission, while not necessarily proven, would have been a very reasonable thing to do based on you know, several series out there in the literature and probably what many people would have done. And so, you know, the cytogenetic abnormality, which is hard to know what to make of, but probably is not a good thing, I think precluded that. And appropriately, he's been watched since that time and has done very, very well. So he's certainly a patient who's got a lot of energy. He's very centered on his disease and had a lot of discussion points about T-cell lymphomas. And I think, you know, very good points about T-cell lymphomas and how we can get better data out there for patients with T-cell lymphoma. Certainly in the research community, how we can, you know, somehow have a better way to do clinical trials in these relatively rare diseases in an efficient fashion, I think is a very, very important question. And, 
you know, amazingly, we've had some new drugs approved recently in T-cell lymphomas that hopefully will be available to him should he need them at some point in the future. I want to ask you about that, but just to get back to him as a person, Neil, it is interesting how involved he's gotten. What's his background, his family situation? And uh, His background's interesting. He was semi-retired. You know, I've gotten to know his family extraordinarily well, and I was saying that this is a guy who, it was one of these conversations, his daughter stopped me in the hall and said, you know, I'm looking to get married in about six to nine months from now. Is my dad going to be there? And, you know, at that point, the guy's in the hospital, he's having spiking fevers. I mean, the guy looks terrible. So you give the honest answer is, you know, you don't know. And you don't know if he's going to be here two months from now. So they moved up their wedding and he was undergoing chemotherapy when they got married. He was able to dance with his daughter and he did great. His family situation, his wife recently died. We took care of her in our practice. She died of erectile cancer. So it's been quite a up and down course for this guy who really has made a home in our practice. John, what would you be thinking in terms of future therapy if this man requires it? Well, it's funny because that's what he asked me when we saw him. And I basically, I told him, it kind of depends on what the scenario is when hopefully you won't get there. But if you do get there, and I think he's had a pretty good response to chemotherapy. So some might argue just if he relapses to give him chemotherapy again, I think at some level you have to wonder about the cytogenetic background and what problems you're going to get out of that down the line. But certainly having had several years of response to chemotherapy, he probably would be chemosensitive with a number of the kind of standard regimens. I think the angioimmunoblastic patients, there are some series of responses to cyclosporin. There are data with methotrexate that are reasonable, and certainly those compared to some of the more intensive treatments would be more tolerable for him probably in outpatient treatments. We do have a couple of new drugs available in T-cell lymphomas, and in some of these studies, angioimmunoblastic patients have been included. The one that's probably most applicable to him is the study that included pralotrexate, which is a novel antifolate agent that has roughly a 30% response rate in recurrent peripheral T-cell lymphomas, as well as a smattering of other subtypes. It's an outpatient weekly treatment. Main toxicities are nausea and cytopenias and mucositis, and it's important if people are using it to supplement the patient with B12 and folate because they can run into toxicity there. So if people are using it, that's important to keep in mind as supportive care. So that's certainly one agent that was available. We certainly have histone deacetylase inhibitors in T-cell lymphomas, particularly the varinostat compound, which has been around now for a few years, an oral agent for cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, and then the other agent that's approved in cutaneous T-cell lymphoma but also active in the peripheral type is depsipeptide, also known as romadepsin, which is another intravenous histone deacetylase inhibitor. So I think all of these things, I think, you know, being at age 68, if he relapses and has had relatively indolent acting disease, I think probably if he's not sick, treating him with sequential single agents might be a reasonable thing to do. But I also know that this guy's connected to a lot of people, and I'm sure will keep Neil busy if he does relapse as he goes around getting different opinions, and I'm sure there's going to be no consensus because that's the way things go in this group of diseases, unfortunately. 